Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are uh, we're going to hit up another episode, episode 28. We're on episode 28, as always. I hope that you are um, listening to the brethren. I am pointing you towards them. I had somebody angry at me for re-uploading uh, the talks of the brethren. If that offends you, um, I don't care. <laughs> Go back and listen to it on the churchofjesuschrist.org if you want. I, I don't care how you listen to it. Listen to it however you want. Um, it's easy for me. It's easy for my audience members for me to upload the uh, the talks of the brethren and and then to give you guys a, a couple of days or a week to be able to find some time to study that. You know exactly what we're going to be studying, what to take notes on. And then we come together and we... we um, compare notes and I go through my notes and 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 the talk and we kind of dissect it and do a deep dive we, we get down into the layers of, of what the brethren might be saying um if if that's not something you enjoy you are more than welcome to um to go to churchjesuschrist.org and listen to them there or find them you know the official church channel on YouTube totally cool I I got no problem with that at all I um of course, have never and will never accept money. Um, I will never monetize this channel. I will never... Um, I'm sure YouTube will run commercials on it. That you know, I, I get nothing from that. That's just that's YouTube's deal. Um, if if you know a video gets enough views, that might happen. But I will not benefit financially from anything that I do with this channel. I've designed it to be a sacrifice of time um everybody's asleep right now and i'm staying up doing some recordings because i i want to um i want to sacrifice some time and i want to raise my voice in support of of the gospel of jesus christ and i want to when i stand before my savior say that i did something that i didn't sat, sit idly by and that if heaven forbid something should happen to me, there is a whole slew of of content, of gospel content, which is the most precious kind of content that I could leave my children, my, my thoughts and my feelings for my children and my grandchildren for you know generations to come. They will know exactly what I thought and how I felt about about the gospel, about different situations, about things that were happening in, in our time, you know, different challenges that are unique to us. And if that can be a help to any of my, of my future um, offspring, then that's, that's great. And of course, if it is a help to, to somebody who is on the fence, who is struggling, who is thinking about jumping ship from the SS Zion, right? If even one person is able to find some benefit from this, then it's 110% worth it. And I, I, I hope that, that we remember what is really important. And that I hope that, you know, I get a lot out of this as well. I do. I get a lot out of this as well. 
and it has enabled me to be a better husband, a better father, and a better servant to to people in my area, you know, to to the old folks' home that I go and I, I serve at once in a while, and to the the elderly people that we take the sacrament to every month. It it has made me a better person, speaking just just speaking and focusing on the gospel of Christ and going into the words of the prophets and the brethren and comparing notes with you guys. Um, it's a blessing, and it's though it is a sacrifice of time, it is time well spent. And I'm, I'm happy to do it, and I hope it is a benefit to somebody out there. Um, I'm going to freestyle a little bit right now. I just I have some things on my heart that I wanted to discuss. You know, as I'm sorry, I'm shifting around here. As we come now into into a time of of harvest, those who who have been paying attention will know that there isn't much of a harvest to be had. There is indeed, there's a lot of, there's a lot of turmoil, there's a lack of produce, of food. There's a lack of many, many things that are to sustain life and you know, there's, they're looking at some pretty serious um, shortages of food, of fuel. Um, Europe is looking really, really rough right now. Satan is raging in the hearts of many people. There's war. It seems like World War Three is on our doorstep. And in this precarious time, you know, I can't help but look back on President Nelson's, his farewell to us. And as we wonder if if that was the last time President Nelson will address us in general conference in mortality, you know, I can't help but wonder if perhaps... Something will will keep them from addressing us in the future, not because they are have left their mortal tabernacles behind, but because political um, geopolitical strife, wars, what what have you, right? Things things could get crazy, and I'm not I'm not trying to be an alarmist or anything like that. I I am a bit of a prepper, but I also am a realist. And when I look at people who have some some clout talking about hardships coming our way, I, I pray that the Lord will look at the band of Christians on every continent and that He will, like the Christians in, in Jerusalem, before the the siege of Jerusalem from the Romans, 
that he will find a way to get the Christians to Pella, right? To get that city to Pella. If you haven't, if you haven't read that story, you should look it up. Google that. It's incredible. Every Christian in the city was saved before Jerusalem was sacked. And they fled to Pella and fled to safety because they remembered the words of the Savior and of the, of the apostles. And they knew that, that it was a sign, that what was happening was a sign and that they had to get out of there. I, um, my heart goes out to, to the members in Russia and Ukraine both. To the people of Europe who are looking at maybe even freezing to death because of a lack of, of natural gas, a lack of ability to, to heat their homes. You know, all this stuff has caused so much instability. It's, it's very sad. And I think that we need to remember our humanity in, in situations like this. I'm reminded of, of World War II, just after World War II. You know, the, the, the German people... After, after the Third Reich, after Hitler had marched a, a bloody path through Europe and, and caused the death of so many people, Germany was, was having a hard time with food after that war, after the Second World War. And there were a bunch of Dutch saints who stepped in to help them out. Germany had just curb-stomped these guys, right? And... They took a part of their harvest that they had taken. They, they, they had basically, the, the church had, had told them, Hey, you guys, uh, to, to the members of their, of their congregations in the area, they told them, Look, guys, we're going to have you guys plant a bunch of potatoes so that you can take care of yourselves, right? And so they did. They planted a bunch of potatoes, and they were presented with a moral issue, a moral dilemma, because the German saints uh, were starving as well. They, they didn't have any potatoes or anything like that planted. They, they were in rough shape. And they were presented with an opportunity to their very, very recent uh, enemies to donate a portion of their harvest to them so that they could uh, sustain their lives and not die. And the following year they donated the entire harvest to Germany, to the German saints. I, I bring that up because it is so easy to hate. It's so easy to hate. I think back to a lot of the army cadences that we used to sing about groups of people, right? And it's so easy to hate.
And I think that we are going to be required, at least given choices, to do similar things. That as we watch people go through incredible, hellacious uh, circumstances, possibly in the future, you know, I, I, I pray to, to God that He steps into our reality and He sets things right before we enter into a World War III scenario. So I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic about it. I'm not trying to to you know blow anybody's minds or anything like that but the reality of the situation is is that we are in a big time Cuban Missile Crisis scenario um, we're on the brink of nuclear nuclear war we're on the at least on the brink of of legit crazy war right there's a lot of things that can happen. Our grids can get attacked, and everything is is connected to the internet now. So that means nuclear power plants. That means um, just regular power plants. That means water treatment facility, natural gas uh, stations, EMP strikes. It, it, the list goes on and on and stuff like that. And and in the midst of all of this. Wars and rumors of wars. Um, I wanted to admonish everybody, my brothers and sisters, my fellow uh, saints in Christ, to remember who we are and to remember that we are brothers and sisters, whether you are Russian, Ukrainian, um, German, Polish, American, Australian, Canadian, Brazilian what have you, you know. I cannot wait for the time when the, the, the church will gather everyone in and that we will become a political force and that we will become a governing body and that we will bring back true law and order and justice under the the head of Jesus Christ. I look forward to that so much, seeing how if if the Constitution isn't hanging by a thread here in America, I don't know what is. I, I watched what happened with the the um the jab, right, with the jab in Australia and the enforcement, the the Victoria Police with the enforcement. I I have I I have rarely seen brutality like that. I w I was disgusted with what I saw there and with here in America, especially Canada. In, in uh, up up north, you know, with the, the shutting down of 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 preachers, of pastors and stuff like that, of churches, people who wanted to worship, we're in some interesting times, brothers and sisters, and it's very easy to hate. 
It's very easy to give in to that hatred, but we can't do that. Right now, we are being sifted, and that, that sieve that is being used, it goes from the right to the left, back to the right, back to the left. And there are those of us who are on the right and the left politically who are being sifted. We are getting pushed up against a wall right now, and we are being forced to acknowledge that we are either true disciples of Jesus Christ who are following the admonitions of, of his prophet and who are a part, are, are on, on the, uh, the SS ship Zion, right? Or you're being forced to acknowledge that uh, your, your political beliefs are your religious beliefs that you are a true disciple of of the right or the left. Um, it's sifting both sides right now, you know, and for the first time, I think I've seen it sift the right in, in the last two years. You've, I think I've always been seeing it my whole life as the left has kind of been a little bit more you know, in, in that progressive camp where there's um, abortion, where there is, you know, a lot more tolerance towards um, same-sex marriage and stuff like that, as that has creeped into the church, uh, socialism to straight-up communism, right? Things that our, our previous prophets have straight-up by, by name warned us against. You know, we saw that happening a lot on the left, but now we're seeing a little bit on the right as well. We're seeing, and it shouldn't be surprising, but we're seeing that happen where you're having to choose. You're having to choose. Is your, are, are you truly worshiping Jesus Christ? Are you on, you know, do you believe this stuff, or is it culture? Is your political uh, leanings, is that your God? These are difficult choices. These are difficult things. I'm not saying this is easy. I've had many a moment. You guys, you, you, any of you who have listened to me for a long time, I've been shooting guns ever since I was probably eight years old. You know, I've been... As a kid, I had a gun up on my, on my wall as, as a little kid, you know, like not a little, little kid, but as a 10, 11, 12 year old, I had a, you know, I had a gun that I had on my, on my, uh, on my gun mount on my wall that I had made myself, you know, it was, it was actually a point of pride for me. I've taught my kids to shoot guns. I've, I served in the military. I, I love I love my my God. I love Christ. I, I'm I'm very much a a very conservative man. I fly a flag in front of my house. Um. I tear up every time I hear my national anthem. You know, I I love my country. I, I I'm very much a conservative man. But for the first time, 
I am watching people who are in my camp who have left because of that or who have stopped going to church because of things like that because they feel that, you know, we start to get into an interesting territory where just that little bit of doubt now has crept in and it begins to feed and fester a sickness that results in people looking for faults and arriving at a place where, well, maybe Brigham Young led the whole church astray and it's been in a state of apostasy ever since then. You see, it doesn't start out like that, but it winds up into places like that. And they wind up excommunicated. They wind up um, asking to have their names taken off. They wind up, in some cases that I have seen, in people that I know, starting their own churches. Um, at the very least, having extra meetings where they get together and they find like-minded people who oppose the prophet, who oppose his mandates, and who then go on fault-finding missions, and who vocally post things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right? they, they, They go on social media and they speak vocally against the mouthpiece, against against the Lord's anointed and, and ultimately against the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I gave a talk last um, Sunday in the old folks' branch. Um, and it was really cool because I felt like I was amongst my peers these were people who were ranged in age from, you know, 50, 60, clear on up to 90. And I, I, I felt at home with them. And I told them, you know, I, I kind of stopped and I said, you know, I, I feel a kinship with your generation because I was taught by people that you taught. And I was taught by, in some cases, by you, in my youth, by many of you especially in the military, you know, I, I have taken so many of the things that you and your generation has, has taught me, and I have applied them, and I've made them mine. You know, what, what it is to, to, to be a man, how to be a man, what is expected of a man as he is raising his family, you know. And I absolutely loved, you know being amongst people who were like-minded, who we thought exactly the same on so many things. I loved it. But, you know, it was it was interesting because we are being put into a position now where I think that many of us on the right, we, we didn't see it coming, but we're we're seeing a lot of these things happen to where it's like, you know, we, we've been asked not to bring a gun to church. How many people still bring a gun to church? That was a hard one for me, brothers and sisters. I, I typically have a, a sidearm on my hip at all times. Most definitely when I leave the house. It's just, it's how I am. I'm a, I'm a security blanket type of guy. I don't want to be caught in a situation where I don't have it, Right. 
and when the when the president nelson came out and said you know what i i don't think that we need to be having uh handguns at church that was one of those scenarios where a lot of people said well that's just his personal belief my initial thing was well that's his personal belief and uh i'm going to keep carrying one anyway and I felt sick to my stomach the whole rest of the day. After I had said that to a group of people, I felt sick to my stomach. And I prayed that night, and I wrestled with that that night. And it was one of those scenarios where the, the Holy Ghost it spoke to me, you know what I mean? It was, it was one of those things. He spoke peace to my soul and my heart, and I decided I was going to listen. That was a, a very pivotal moment for me because that set up so much of the rest of, of how I handle things. And that was fairly recent. That was when he very first became the prophet. That was a, a, a pivotal moment for me. And I went back to the group of people I was talking to and I said, you guys, I have to apologize to you. I was completely out of line, and I want you to know that I will be following uh, the admonitions of the prophet on this, even though I don't understand them, even though I don't like them. I know that he is the prophet. I have faith uh, in his in the prophetic mantle, and I know who stands behind him. And I told those guys, I, I told them, I says, I want you to know that I was wrong. And then that was wrong of me to say those things. Regardless of how you guys feel, I have to tell you that I was wrong. It's very interesting for us to think, um, as I thought, that we would not be tested. That there would not be Abrahamic tests coming our way as we are now in the last days of the last days. That was a very foolish assumption <laughs> on my on my part. And I'm not trying to be too I'm not trying to be a downer here, guys. I'm I'm don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to have like a melancholy attitude or or presentation here, but I I, th I I want us to really think about where we are at in in history. And where we are going. And I think it's it's more important now, more than ever, that we make some decisions ahead of time. Because that decision that I made that day to follow the prophet has kind of forged a, a path for me forward into how I'm handling being in the last days of the last days. It has it has defined a part of who I am. And it has brought me closer to my Savior Jesus Christ. As I have stood in very uncomfortable situations, and as I have gotten up in fast and testimony meeting, which is not something I typically do. As we go into these troublesome times, um, 
I hope that we keep our humanity and that we remember who we are, that we choose Christ, that we remember Christ, and that even those who we might be enemies with, those who are wearing the, the uniform of the enemy or who, you know, have caused heartache, have caused death and stuff like that, that we remember especially the saints on the other side of the border over there, that we remember them and we remember that we are brethren. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a listener of Glenn Beck, and one of the things that he always admonishes is that we have to have love. Like, love has to prevail, man. And he's 100% accurate. He's 100% accurate. I don't know what the future holds for us between now and um, the next general conference, even. Between now and April, you know, I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen with the situation over in uh, Russia and Ukraine, you know, with with China and Taiwan. Like, there's so much stuff going on right now, but we have to make the choice now, brothers and sisters, to to stick together, number one, and to live to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, to choose Christ, to make sure that we have a testimony. It's one of the things that I was I was telling my deacons. I was telling them, you, you guys need to know. You, you guys need to find out if this is true or not. Because being a cultural Mormon isn't enough. You have to be a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ and a member of His church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We truly are living in a day when evil is called good and good is called evil. And as President Kimball uh, said, a test, a test, a test is coming. Gordon B. Hinckley quoted that, as well as J. Golden Kimball, right? It's been quoted at least twice, big time quotes in General Conference. President Hinckley uh, went on to explain after he quoted that phrase, right, that he believed that the test would be our capacity to live the gospel of Jesus Christ in tumultuous times, in these times of, of the last days. President Kimball said that uh, it would be that you could scarcely tell the, the, the face of a saint from the face of of a Babylonian, basically, of a Gentile, somebody who was who was on the other side. I believe we're living that now. I believe that we I'm taking the things that are being told to us by our prophet very seriously. The fact that he is, he told our young women that they are among the, the, that them and their daughters and their granddaughters would welcome the city of Zion. 
I, I just don't think that these are idle things. And people that will say, well, they've been saying that kind of stuff for years, are throwing some pearls away, some pearls of great price that ought not to be thrown away. There are many things that, that can be interpreted in many different ways, but I believe that they are speaking very plainly to us now and that we will throw aside um, pearls of great price uh, to our own detriment. Brothers and sisters, I hope that we are able to be like the people who gave their part of their harvest uh, to the to the German people, people who were former former Nazis, right? That is the the level of of love and devotion to Christ that I believe that we will be called upon. to bring to bear in these last days of the last days, and perhaps even beyond that. We're heading into the holiday season. A time of... Um, of looking back to Christ. You know, a, a time when... When people go to mass, a time when people go, you know, they go to church, you know, for that, you you got to hit up Easter, you got to hit up Christmas, right? When the whole world kind of gets, gets kind of into into the mode, the giving mode, it gets into that mode of of Christ. I love the, I I absolutely love this time of year, but I find myself having kind of a. a a heavy heart as we go into this season because of things that are ahead. And I hope that we are we are ready and that we stand ready and that we have confidence um, in our God and in His His all seeing ability to to succor us in our hour of need, you know. I've been reading um, the Book of Mormon daily for a long time now. I've, I try to, you know, I've, I've said I'm at least going to get this many, uh, this many verses in every single day. And as I have done that, it's been a huge blessing to me. But I'm reading about the Stripling Warriors right now, about how Helaman was able to to get these these young. Uh, he called them his young sons, right? For they were worthy to be called sons. And that because of their faith and their strict adherence to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were preserved to the man. And yeah, they were wounded. Some of them fainted from the loss of blood. But they were preserved down to the man, or the boy, you could say. They are preserved down to the boy. That not one of them was lost. Brothers and sisters, we have to be 
living worthily to not only be worthy of divine intervention of our Savior and our God and our Heavenly Father stepping into our reality to change our circumstances to give us miracles but we need to be to be expecting those miracles as those stripling warriors did as those young men did where they said we do not doubt our mothers knew it they were expecting a miracle and when they began that charge into the the, the rear of the Lamanite army they didn't even know if Antipas had caught up to them they had no idea it was a gamble Helaman basically said guys I don't know what we're gonna run into I don't know if Antipas caught up to them and now Antipas is in trouble or if this is a trap and they're gonna destroy us and those sons of Helaman said we have faith man let's go we have faith we do not doubt our mothers knew it, right? I appreciate you guys listening to me. This has been stuff that's been on my heart. And this is... This is very therapeutic for me to be able to put this stuff out there. But it's also, you know, I, I sense and I speak to other people that feel the same way. And I I want to provide kind of a an environment where we can share these thoughts and feelings and stuff like that with each other and feel free to you know to speak to each other down in the comment section to you know talk about your your concerns and stuff like that and to also just not just to talk about the negative but to, let's let's also boost each other up as well and let's remind ourselves uh, what's really important and what we should be focusing on and let's remind ourselves about about who we are brothers and sisters we got to remember who we are we are Christians and remember about the covenants that we have made that even if it comes down to it like the like the Apostles you know like like the martyrs of old that we have been called upon to seal our testimonies with our blood if need be to give our lives to Christ that can come in many different shapes and forms you know I made a an analogy um, a podcast or two ago you know giving that analogy of, of the, the, the bishop or the stake president you know it coming down from the top to them to to give out the word to everybody to gather in your food stores to hand it in so that everybody can eat I have I have shared that scenario and it's I don't know if it's real or not guys I don't know but I have my suspicions on that you know and you have to make up the decision now you know what are you gonna do To think that we don't have Abrahamic tests coming our way is extraordinarily foolish. They're coming. Mm -hmm. 
And I hope that that we are living worthy and that we are making choices now that will enable us to, like Abraham, be up to the task. I love you guys. I'm grateful for you guys, and I I, I I ask that the Lord will just will bless you guys and that He will take care of you and that He will that He will rain down miracles upon you guys in the way of food, of sustenance, of warmth, of a way for you guys to take care of your families during these crazy times that are ahead. And I pray for a softening of hearts that, you know, that our God is, is the God who, who softened the heart of, of even Pharaoh. I pray that you guys will be protected in these these coming days, and I pray that if our sons and our daughters are called to carry the sword, that they will go with Christ in their hearts. I love you guys, and I, I, I pray for you guys, and I... I uh, say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As surely as it scarred cities, the Second World War scarred hearts. Neighbors in the Netherlands had lost faith in each other after some cooperated with German occupiers, and others chose resistance. Goodwill gave way to suspicion during the war's last winter, when hunger drove many to theft. Even church members struggled with unity. They didn't hardly talk to each other. They all had so much trouble of their own in their families, and it was just like a funeral, you might say to see the people there. We had a pretty hard time even to get acquainted among the saints. If you had been betrayed by your neighbor because they had collaborated and they became informers, you don't know what to say. You don't trust a soul. After the war, Mission President Cornelia Zappé's priority was to help distribute welfare aid from North American members but he also wanted to find a way to help heal the branches and restore unity among the members. He liked to say LDS also meant, let's do something. The church wanted us to help them to start projects and to do something. So we thought the wisest thing was to start the potato project. We got the potatoes from the government for planting only. Of course, the eating potatoes were on rationing but the planting potatoes we could get any time, and there was plenty of land lying dormant. 
In many branches, the planting was made a special occasion. There was singing, speaking, and praying at the end of which the potatoes were entrusted into the soil. We were told the Heavenly Father would open the windows and would bless us if we would keep his commandments. And we really experienced that. Ik ben trots op de mensen die dat gedaan hebben. Dus men had wel degelijk een saamhorigheidsgevoel. En dat gevoel krijg je alleen als je daar geweest bent. Je kunt erover praten, maar als je zelf meegeholpen hebt, krijg je dat gevoel. But while Dutch saints went to work preparing for a brighter future, saints in Germany were suffering from hunger after the coldest winter in living memory. We hebben dan twee scheiben brood bekommen. En bij de Russen hebben we de Krümen zo schoen opgemaakt. En hebben die zo lang in de mond behouden, bis ons de mond weegetan had. Om door dat hongergevoel te onderdrukken. Just before my 17th birthday, my mother asked me what I want for my birthday. And I said, just for one day, I would not like to be hungry. You cannot imagine that. You cannot imagine how it feels, you know. Walter Stover, the German-American president of the East German Mission, felt an urgent need to care for the temporal needs of the suffering saints. During a visit to President Zappé, President Stover mentioned the hunger in Germany. A thought occurred to Zappé that he hardly dared express. Perhaps the Dutch members could send their potatoes to Germany. But what would they say if we should ask them for the food for which they had worked so hard to give to the people who had caused them such suffering and depredation? All of a sudden then, at the end of a war, when you have been left with nothing, literally nothing, then you, you don't have really very kind feelings towards these people. Some of the most bitter enemies you have encountered as a result of war are the German people. We know what intense feelings of dislike you may have for them, but those people are now much worse off than you. And we are asking you to send your entire potato harvest to the German saints. Will you do it? Will you help our own saints to not die of hunger there? Whether they were saints or not, they were Germans. We were in the meeting and we found out that those potatoes were not for us. They would go and feed Germany. We couldn't believe it. How can they tell us that we have planted potatoes for them? President Sapai would send my father, who had been a prisoner of war, to visit the various branches in the church and persuade them. He could say, I've been through this. You know that I have. Let's separate what a bad regime did and not condemn the whole culture. Understanding the saints, but at the same time telling them 
what the gospel really is all about, that they were members of that church of Jesus Christ. And somehow this had to make a difference. The regime has done that to us. But I blamed every German. And so I had a lot, an awful lot of repentance to do. Maar the idee om elkaar te helpen voor wat men elkaar eerst heeft aangedaan en toch elkaar te helpen is voor mij pure christelijk naastenliefde. President Cornelius Sapai deed een heel belangrijk iets. Hij nam het voortouw, zoals wij in Nederland noemen. Hij bleef positief en hij deed het enige wat hij kon doen om dit project te starten. En dat is om elkaar met de opzet om elkaar lief te hebben. En zo, when harvest time came, we were just overjoyed that we would have so many potatoes. Die lagen op de knieën met korm tussen zich in en een, dat was een hele, uh, hoe dat er waren, dat weet ik niet meer, maar een hele kolonie. Certain the Lord had blessed this harvest, President Zappé worked to overcome a final obstacle, securing permission for the 70 tons of potatoes to leave the country. Dutch officials were reluctant to let so much food pass their borders so soon after the war. But President Zappé refused to give up. I told them that these potatoes belong to the Lord, and if it be His will, the Lord would see that they came to Germany. Though noting it was a great exception, Dutch officials accepted Zappé's impassioned request and granted permission. In Germany, President Stover added to the Dutch shipment by purchasing more potatoes, and the struggling saints received as much as 100 pounds per family to help them make it through the year. Can you believe that? Huh? I was just touched by how the Lord had it in his hand to help us. And this was for us a gift to Simmels. They were friends, had with Deutschland nothing to do and of we still love potatoes. Potatoes are good. Touched by the healing power of Christ-like service, the Dutch saints presented their own proposal the next year to donate herring to the German saints as well as another potato harvest. In Holland, herring is a basic food. And so they knew herring and they knew what to do and they said, potatoes alone is not enough. You have to have herring with it. <laughs> Bis zum heutigen Tag. Es ist zu Herring. <laughs> the German saints did not eat all the potatoes they received. A few were saved for a new welfare project. Just outside Berlin, saints gathered and once again the Lord's potatoes were entrusted to the soil. Die Kartoffeln waren für uns wirklich etwas Gutes. Over time, German saints became increasingly self-reliant. In 1953, flooding in the Netherlands gave German church members an opportunity to express their gratitude. 
They resolved to flood the mission home with aid packages for the country whose saints had served them so well. After the terrible war and the famines that followed, our Dutch sisters and brothers were the first to offer us help in our great need. The German people cannot forget that. We now wish to stand by the Dutch people in their need and to return the goodness they provided to us then. The war scarred both Dutch and German church members, but the gospel brought them together in a circle of selfless service. Human acts had broken the trust between neighbors and nations, but Christ-like love healed those wounds. It did not just nourish our bodies, but it helped our souls. Even before the war, our country was in such a turmoil. And here, we were shown so much kindness and so much love by these people. It strengthened my faith to be treated so kindly. And then it gave me hope for a better future. Whatever our political or personal differences, the same promise is ours today. The miracle of unity is being granted to us as we pray and work for it in the Lord's way. Our hearts will be knit together in unity. God has promised that blessing to his faithful saints, whatever their differences in background and whatever conflict rages around them. He was praying for us as well as his disciples when he asked, Father, that we might be one. <laughs>